for Talks with St. Thomas Aquinas College with host Jacques Tortoroli on 1460 WVOX. Thank you for joining us on 1460 VOX AM and around the globe on VOX.com. This is our second show in our series, and today I'm, I'm delighted to have with us Mike DiPartolomeo, who is in charge of uh, enrollment at the college and is on the President's Council. Mike, good morning to you. Good morning, Jack. Thanks for having me. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. Mike, uh, you've been around higher education for a number of years in, in your career. Maybe if we could start with just a little bit of your background and, and your, your role here at St. Thomas Aquinas College. Sure. Thank you. So, uh, so I serve the college as the vice president for enrollment management. And in that capacity, my portfolio includes uh, college admissions, all of the admissions undergraduate and graduate, the Office of Financial Aid, and enrollment marketing and campus communications. Uh, this is my 17th year now in higher education. Uh, it's my wow. third year. I just crossed over my third year with uh, St. Thomas Aquinas College, and it's been, it's been a tremendous experience. I came from uh, New Jersey from the public colleges, um, from medium and large size public colleges. So coming to a smaller, intimate institution like St. Thomas Aquinas College was something that, frankly, I was looking forward to uh, because of my ability to really kind of get more experience day to day working with not only the employees in my portfolio, but also with all of the students who really kind of make Stack what it is. All right. Well, 17 years. I, I thought you were 21 looking at you. Too bad our radio <laughs> listeners can't see you, but uh, <laughs> a great career in higher ed. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I was 21 uh, almost 21 years ago, so. Yeah, okay. Mike, uh, can you talk a little bit about the, the profile of a Stack student? Um, why, why do students come to Stack, and, and, and what type of students is, is Stack here to serve? I, th- I think the, the short answer is we're here to serve all students, and that's, that's kind of the marketing hat wearing that. But, but it really is all different students of all different academic abilities coming from all different in- high schools and locations throughout mm-hmm. mostly the tri-state area, although we do have students that are from 22 states and more than 20 different countries. Mm-hmm. So we serve students from all different backgrounds. The students that come to Stack really are looking for three, three different attributes. They, they're looking to be academically inspired, mm-hmm. meaning that they come from different high schools and maybe they knew exactly what they wanted out of an education and they're steadfast and, and kind of focused in what they're looking for. And then we have some students who came from high school and maybe are not necessarily aware of what they're hoping to do with the rest of their lives at 17 or 18 years old. And they're looking for ways to be inspired academically. Secondly, we also have students that are civically engaged. So obviously, with what's going on, we're framed around the area of social justice uh, is a big topic right now, but it's really been a topic for most of our students for quite some time. So not just what's been going on in the last year, but what's been going on for the last 17 years of some of their lives. So they're looking to really merge those two areas of interest together. And third is students that are environmentally conscious. So Obviously, you know, most of the news will tell you that we are leaving this generation in a worse spot than previous generations have left our generation. And I think our students are really interested in what that impact is from an environmental perspective mm-hmm. and how they can go, go forward and improve it. So although, you know, our students do come from 
many different backgrounds. Those are really three main themes that I find out of our students, at least in the last three years that I've been affiliated with the institution. Yeah. And, and you know, you talk about uh, social issues and, and obviously, you know, lots of issues going on at the moment in society. What's the profile of our student base here? If you could uh, explain to listeners, you know, how many sort of do we have in the minorities, um, you know, black students and, and Hispanic and so on? Because there's a real sort of rainbow of diversity that I've seen in the student body. And I wonder if you could just elaborate on that a little bit for us. Sure. Yeah. So our, our students are we're represented by about just over 40 percent of students of color. Um, including nearly 24% of students of Hispanic background and, and more than 11% of students that are African-American or black. So it is really a great diversity that the college and the institution has, so much so that one of uh, President Ken Daly's first initiatives when he arrived here was to work on what is now called the uh, Social Justice and Equity Forum, which yep. really brings students of all different ethnic and, uh, and really all different backgrounds, not just ethnic, but also uh, orientations, uh, religions and really re- focuses and frames it around this area of social justice and equity, which has really not just been a hot topic in education lately, but really for the last 15 to 20 years, at least that I've been involved in, in higher education, the mm-hmm. idea of access and equity and inclusion and diversity have really been at the forefront of administrators' minds within higher education. So with, with President Daly's uh, forethought, we started the Social Justice and Equity Forum which has brought together members of the campus from administrators to students to even members of our board of trustees who've really become these leaders on the campus that are going to identify, work through, and hopefully resolve any issues on our campus, but really become a conduit in the community to help people think through issues of equity, diversity, and inclusion. Mm -hmm. So I'm excited about what the college is doing moving forward with that. And I think the fact that we have students engaged kind of at the ground floor just speaks to the way that we bring our students into the conversations, which, frankly, you don't get at a lot of different institutions. Uh, yeah. And Stack is special in that way. Yeah. And, and you know, you mentioned social justice and equity. And for many years, uh, Stack has been known for an outstanding criminal justice program. And, and we had uh, Stack chat uh, last week with Sean Pico, who's the executive director of uh, Hudson Link. And, you know, what we've done, as you well know, is is make a sort of a strategic relationship with Hudson Link around not only providing edu- a Stack undergraduate degree at a correctional facility up in uh, Sullivan County, but also as uh, as you know, formerly incarcerated people come in back into society and need an education. Uh, we now have a scholarship to support uh, individuals that, that re-enter society from uh, from incarceration. So it's been a it's been really the fabric of the college, you know, for many many years, and and it's really proud to see that it's you know sort of ingrained into who the college is, and is not simply a reaction to the times that we have today. Yeah, absolutely. And I, th- I think what's interesting about that that partnership that we have with Hudson Link and Sullivan County Correctional Facility is that, you know, up until the early 1990s, there were many prison reform programs that existed. And then in 1994, uh, a bill was enacted in Congress and signed by President Clinton that did away with the Pell Grant for incarcerated yeah. individuals. And once that revenue stream went away, frankly, many institutions decided, well, it wasn't fiscally making sense for us. And, and I'm happy to say that we've kind of gone against that trend, and, and we see that as an institution, we have a societal responsibility. 
For sure. And, you know, it makes total sense when you look at statistics that suggest that the rate of return on a college education for incarcerated people and, and formerly incarcerated people is about four times the rate that it is, you know, for not having education because uh, the education, particularly a stack undergraduate degree or even a, a graduate degree in MPA, really gives, you know, these individuals a fair chance at uh, reengaging in society and and frankly, saving taxpayer money by not, uh, you know, falling back into the circle of uh, of getting reincarcerated. So, so that's important as well, certainly for the community. Mike, let's talk a little bit about economics. It's a big topic as well. You know, the affordability at Stack here. We've got the three A's of, of access, affordability, and admissions. And and you know, as I mentioned in the show last week with, with President Daly. You know, you think about sort of a, a, a view that has a barbell, right? If you think about a barbell, on one side of the barbell is all of the sort of the CUNY and SUNY system schools where where tuition is either free or, or, or very, very, very minimal. On the other end, the other extreme, you know, on the barbell, you've got the elites and, uh, you know, and, and the education you might be able to get in an Ivy. Everything in between is, is, I guess, where Stack, you know, sort of falls in the, the small private colleges uh, in this country. Um, but how do you how do you think about you know as you as you talk to students and you talk to parents and you talk to counselors, how do you talk about Stack and and the return that our students get upon graduation for the investment uh, in the college, uh, you know, through tuition. Yeah, and, and, and when I talk about stack and I talk about the financial aspect, I, I talk about really what I call VIA, VIA, value investment and affordability. And I think what I've learned over my 17 or so years in higher education is that this generation of college students, the, the students right now that are between 15 and 19 years old or so, are probably the most financially aware of the impact of, of the cost of their education probably since students who returned from the Vietnam War and started to use the post-9-11 or started to use the GI Bill. Uh, I think it's interesting because as a private institution, obviously our our costs might be prohibitive to some families, yet with our generous financial aid packages, there are many families that realize once they kind of put dollars to donuts that we are, in a lot of cases, more affordable. And then it starts to come down to, well, what is is the overall investment over those four years for a family? Mm-hmm. And I would I would argue that a stack education stands up to any institution in our region and, and, and many institutions, obviously, nationally, because of not just the, the quantitative, the actual amount of percentage of students who graduate and go on and, and uh, have, have a low debt load and all of those things, which is very important, but also because of, of the, the value add of a stack education. I mean, we have tremendous faculty. Yeah. that are not only concerned with students in the classroom, but they're concerned with what students are doing outside of the classroom. Uh, not to, to steal one of President Daly's uh, talking points that he talks about, but he says that he was you know, very surprised and encouraged by the fact that faculty spend as much time, if not more, outside of the classroom with our students than in the classroom. You, yeah. you frankly won't get that at a, at a large tier one research university where you may or may not, frankly, meet your faculty member because they're doing research or, or they're, they're doing on sabbatical or, or frankly, they're kind of working for the institution, but doing other things. Yeah. Here, we're yeah. really concerned about the, the holistically about teaching the student from, from an, a quantitative perspective. I mean, I'm happy to say that money magazine just ranked us as one of the top value colleges. We were ranked in the top half this year for money's yep. 2021 best colleges value. 
they only rank about 770 college and we were in the top half of that. Mm-hmm. Um, Frank, the other, the other great metric is that while the average student nationally is defaulting on about 10% of their loans, as you are probably aware, college debt is about $1.5 trillion this year. It's one of the largest personal debts that occurs in the United States. Our students are, are really defaulting at half of that rate, which means that our students are getting jobs. They're able to pay back their loans. They're able to have a, a, a wage and, and, and a career that's not only personally fulfilling, but financially fulfilling. So when I talk to families, I really frame it in, in the scope of this is an investment, right? This is the largest investment that as a family you make other than a home, um, yeah. but it has the greatest return. It has, it has a much better return than selling your home. You know, the average college graduate will make somewhere between one and $1.2 million financially over their lifetime over someone with a high school diploma or mm-hmm. a, a certificate or a GED. And it only goes up from there. So, so we've, yeah. so from a pure finance standpoint, you know, a college education is, is a great investment, but I think a stack education is, is even better than, than what the norm would be. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's a good point to, to raise because there was a study done uh, a couple of months ago and I saw a, uh, a podcast um, by a professor at NYU. And, and basically what he's saying is on average, the cost of tuition relative to the earnings potential of students has has massively increased you know, over the last 25 years. And, and, you know, as you described, that that really is not the case here. And and therefore, students indeed aren't graduating with a debt burden that they otherwise would have in another institution. The other thing that I, you know, I found, and I've been now on campus for really since October of last year, and, and literally within the first three weeks of being on campus, you know, I had three students, uh, all happen to be international students, but come up to me and say, hey, I've got a business idea. Would you help me, you know, kind of figure this out and maybe build a model? And what do you think? And and so that's been a real positive as well. And it speaks to the fact that, you know, there is accessibility, not only to the faculty who do an awesome job, but even the staff. I know you spend a lot, a lot of time with students. I do as well. And and that, that is a qualitative consideration that, you know, I, I hopefully families take into account. It's not just a number, but it's a it's an individual, it's a person, and particularly those that have entrepreneurial spirit because, you know, Rockland County and, and, and Westchester County, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of family businesses, and, and you know, we, we'd like to make sure that those students that want to have a family business or get into the family business, um, you know, can certainly do so through through their education and, and through their mentoring as well. Absolutely. Uh, you know, Mike, obviously we're all living through the pandemic and, and many, many families have been hurt economically and, and, you know, impacting the students' ability to come to college. What have we done, what have you done differently to admissions and enrollment and, and financial aid? And, and what has the college done as well in that regard, you know, to, to continue to make it possible for families to send their kids to, to stack this year? Um, but also in terms of, you know, the, the keeping the campus safe, and, and all of the, uh, the activities that we've done around, you know, preventative sort of mitigation for, for COVID-19. Can you speak a little bit about that? Sure. Well, I think the first thing that, that I would say is that as soon as uh, President Daley began his tenure on July 1st, um, we, we enacted a COVID task force, which is comprised of individuals from all across the campus, uh, from student development uh, to enrollment to campus safety to health and health and wellness. I mean, we really brought 
all of the top individuals together to really make sure that we can not only open the campus safely, which we which we've done and, and has been a tremendous experience, but we can keep the campus safely open. Yeah. Uh, and that that is one of the great things today is actually our phase two operation, where in phase one, we primarily brought our first year students on campus and students who were uh, taking courses in labs and art courses where they needed to physically be on campus. And today starts phase two. And so some of the things that we did right, right away was, first of all, we, we've enacted a testing policy. So um, we've been doing COVID testing since really early August, uh, and we have had a stunningly low rate uh, thus far. And we'll, we'll continue to monitor that daily, um, obviously, as part of, of the New York State uh, requirements. We have to report daily information, but we were ahead of the curve in doing that. And I'm happy to say that, you know, we took the cost of having those tests, those COVID tests, which can be nominal for families. We took it out of the students and the families' hands. And as an institution, we covered that cost. Yeah. So right away, if we, we had the notion that if we were going to do this, we were going to require students to have negative tests before they arrived on campus. Uh, we were not going to force students to incur those costs. Mm-hmm. Secondly, uh, we have uh, we've done a lot from the financial aid side to really ensure that families who have been affected by COVID and by the challenges that have happened with COVID um, are are really mitigated. One thing we did was obviously as, as an institution that received money through the CARES Act, that some of that money went through to the students. Mm-hmm. We automatically put uh, offered every student. A nominal return, a nominal check, so we sent that to them. What we did on the second round is that we did a, a process where students can apply for it, and then we as an institution matched those funds outside mm-hmm. of what we were given from the federal government. So I think that says a little bit to our commitment. We're all, we also looked at students who, frankly, had an issue covering the rest of the portion of their bills from last year, and we yeah. found a way to work with them. Our, our policy at the institution and in practice is that if a student wants to be here and wants to learn and, and really makes the effort to make their education the top priority of what mm-hmm. they're doing here, we want to find every way to make that possible for the students. Right. We also have a, have a tremendous financial aid packaging system uh, that is fair, it's equitable, and it accounts into not only a student's personal situation, but obviously their academics and, and what their family has been going through, but also takes a look at their ability to pay based on federal factors when they fill out the, the FAFSA, the free application for federal student aid. Yeah. So we're doing a lot from an institutional perspective. We can always be doing more and, and we want to do more. Uh, but I think it shows some of the commitments that we've made as an institution to really help students bridge the gap between the cost of the institution and what the family is able to afford. We yeah. enacted when I, when I first arrived on campus, we enacted a, policy where students can physically appeal and formally appeal their financial aid packages and provide additional information. Because when we do financial aid packages, we're looking at a snapshot of a student's financial situation. But if a parent loses a job in between or their financial situation changes, the Department of Education doesn't always catch that. So there is a real human piece to this. And I'm happy that Joanne Sullivan, who is our director of financial aid and our entire financial aid team, have really taken the initiative to make sure that if we can help students, we're doing it in the most fair and equitable way possible. Yeah, that, that's that's fantastic. And it also leads me to uh, remind our listeners that we are in a fundraising campaign. And, and please, if you can, donate to Stack by calling 845-398-4021. Or if you'd like to bid on some of our amazing uh, items in our silent auction, please text 
S-T-A-C, to 71760. Um, we also did something for alumni, recognizing that some of our alumni who are, who are local still, um, you know, may have lost their job with what's going on with the pandemic. Can you just touch quickly on that, Mike? Sure. So, uh, so for any of our alums who, who graduated from St. Thomas Aquinas College, we already offer a sizable discount. We offer a 20% alumni discount. Um, but for any students who were in the area that wanted to complete graduate studies with us, we, uh, we offered an additional discount during time of COVID that really brought the actual financial discount for students in graduate studies to, to a $10,000 reduction, mm-hmm. uh, which mm-hmm. is a sizable, sizable reduction. Yeah. And really makes our commitment at the forefront of what we're trying to do because we know that a lot of our recent graduates who might have been working may not be right now because of what happened mm. due to COVID, especially those that are living in the New York, New Jersey area and Connecticut area. So we yeah. wanted to really make it at least somewhat more affordable for those families and those students who were thinking and might have been on the fence of if maybe I want to go to graduate school, maybe I don't. But we wanted to really kind of make it a little more enticing for them. Uh, for this offer to be able to afford it a little bit more. And, and we had a good number of students. Nearly uh, nearly 12% of our incoming graduate class took us up on it. So right. it was really a, a great effort that had that yeah. yielded great returns for both us and for the institution. Absolutely. And, and again, they can take those courses online as well. You know, yep. finally, Mike, the other thing that we've done is, is really start to focus on uh, some corporate relationships and, and trying to you know, reach strategic relationships that benefit what I call a three-win system, which is it's a win for our students, it's a win for the institution, but it's also a win in terms of offering employees of, of companies um, a chance to come to Stack as well. And you could just touch on our, our corporate employment uh, program, or as I like to say, our tapping into tap programs with companies in the area. Yeah, absolutely. This was a uh, again a, a great program that we that we started recently, uh, and what it basically does is we we will work with any of the local uh, companies or or further than local companies who uh, and their human resource departments um, on with these different companies that have corporate reimbursement programs. So. We have a, a sliding scale of availability for students. So depending upon what your annual company reimbursement limit is, we would offer to the students the annual benefit to the employee is to take between a matching scholarship, depending on if you're at the lower end of the sliding scale, all the way up to students can take up to 12 credits annually and no additional charge to the student. We would just utilize the corporate reimbursement to help cover the costs. And for, for students, it's a significant, it can be up to a 50% discount if your company offers a corporate reimbursement. So I would encourage any of of the listeners today that if you're thinking about graduate studies and you're thinking about possibly something along the lines of an MBA or something in education or our our new Masters of Public Administration in Criminal Justice Studies that's been around for about two years now, I'd encourage you to think about whether or not your HR department and find out if your human resource department offers reimbursement. And if so, uh, we would be a great option because it is completely feasible that there would be no out-of-pocket costs to the students to take up to 12 credits annually, which yeah. as, as someone who is a doctoral student right now, 12 yeah. credits is a sizable credit load for students to take in one year. So yeah. we're excited about it. We're excited to partner with more more corporations. We have a, a great number in the hopper already that yeah. have, have really progressed, and we're excited about moving forward with this. 
Yeah, and again, a great example of uh, providing value across the, the economic chain. I mean, uh, employers pay no more than they otherwise would under their existing programs. To your point, employee students can get a great degree and, and work either online or in person or, or hybridly. And, um, and and at the same time, it helps uh, the institution. So, so, you know, good all around in terms of trying to work. With the uh, with the economies and the companies that are that are in this uh, in this situation in this area, so that's been terrific. You know, last last quick one, Mike. You know, the other the other hat you wear is is running communications and marketing for the college, and uh, maybe you could just touch on a little bit of, of how you think about you know marketing the college in, in a social media environment. Yeah, thank you. You know, it's it's really interesting. Uh, a year ago, when when we were not in COVID. Uh, digital marketing really took on a, a very organic place within our total communication efforts, right? So mm-hmm. a lot of digital marketing, a lot of um, IP targeting, so trying to get right in the fa- right in front of the, the screens of families and students. Yeah. Um, geofencing, which is where you can pick a geographic area and kind of push all your advertising through social media around that geographic area, um, yeah. which was very good in, in community colleges and, and around high schools and those types of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but but obviously all of that's changed now, right? So it's, yeah. so it's a, a very different market right now. It's also a very different market because the way that we would reach in a digital environment is is through something that most students are completely exhausted of right now, and that is their computers, right? Yeah. So they're living in a, in a Zoom world right now. I have a seven-year-old that 10 minutes ago was right next to me learning from his teacher online. So it, yeah. there's a lot of exhaustion from that. So what, what we're trying to do is really to a two-pronged approach. One is be everywhere at all times, and what that means is any opportunity that we have to speak to families, whether that is a, a virtual open house, whether that's being at the high school virtually, which, which we've set up about 250 of those visits already, and we'll set up about another 350 throughout the fall, um, or just one-on-one, any way that we can get an info session with a family. You know, we pride ourselves on having much more of a human touch to the admissions process. Um, do we send out collateral and materials? Yes, like much yeah, like yeah. many colleges. I think that's part and parcel from, from the, the whole way everything works. But I think what we do that is unique is that we make ourselves completely available at all times. Uh, so, when, for instance, in March when we, when we went back off campus due to COVID, we immediately enacted a plan that our offices would be virtually open. So if any student had a question between certain hours of every day, every office was available so that they can have some face-to-face time. And I think that speaks to what we try to do from a Marcom perspective. But we know that it's very difficult right now, and we're trying to push through that with families and students. So we're excited about what the future holds. Well, that's great. And, and as, we're, as we're speaking, you know, uh, radio is still a great medium to get the word out. So hopefully families and others that are listening um, will look up Stack. And again, uh, please, if you could, donate to our, our campaign by calling 845-398-4021 or text STAC to 71760 and bid uh, on our wonderful auction items. So thank you.